Women understand. We may share experiences, make jokes, paint pictures and describe humiliations that mean nothing to men, but women understand. The odd thing about these deep and personal connections of women is that they often ignore barriers of age, economics, worldly experience, race and culture, all the barriers that, in male or mixed society, had seemed so difficult to cross. Gloria Steinem. Welcome to Her Own Words, a Dear Damsels podcast. We're Abby and Bridie, the team behind Dear Damsels, and this podcast is part of our overall mission to provide a platform for female voices, which is what we've been doing online and in print for the past three years. We want to share women's stories in their own words. This is a very special episode of the podcast, as it's dedicated entirely to female friendship. Hopefully you'll already have heard about our next project, Let Me Know When You're Home, which is a collection of stories about female friendship that we're currently crowdfunding to publish into paperback in February 2020. We hope it will be a celebration of what women can achieve with the support of each other, as well as a frank exploration of the intricacies and realities of these relationships. And that's what we hope this podcast will be too. Yay! So, (laughs) we've opened this episode with a quote related to the topic by the glorious Gloria Steinem. Uh, What made you pick this quote, Bridie? You really didn't make it easy by going glorious, Gloria, did you? (laughs) So so a lot of things about this quote that I think are really interesting, and one of the reasons that I picked it is because it sort of highlights the qualities of female friendship that drew us to it as a subject for focusing on for our collection and something that our writers continue to put out in their work as well. This idea that women understand, despite it all, like despite the differences, there's always this inherent connection that can be formed between one woman and another. And it's so unique, and unlike other relationships, and I feel like we spend so much time writing about it and talking about it because it's always trying to get to that point. Mm. Like, why is this quality so, like, why so ever-present in female friendships? It makes them so open to recounting stories about female friendship and to retelling stories about female friendship because other women will get it. They will mm. understand when you talk about your best friend. They're like, that's how I feel about my best friend too. And I you guess um, women are sort of more prone to talk about things. And yeah. maybe that's stereotyping, but I think no, we I do think share talk about shared experiences especially thinking when we're reading when we read our submissions for the collection I remember a lot of themes coming up over and over again just coincidentally you Mm. know certain things about like female bodies or sexuality or like you know society those sorts of things that only women get because Mm. only women experience this and I guess they're also challenges as well as experiences yeah definitely definitely so I think that quote encompasses that really well and Gloria says it really beautifully so it was really lovely to be able to read it out loud. A very good starting point for the rest of this podcast. So one of the many reasons we wanted to publish Let Me Know In Your Home is because the connections between women and the way women can amplify each other's voices is just absolutely central to what we do at DD. And not only that, we constantly receive submissions about the relationships between women. Whatever the theme is, that's what keeps coming back to us. Yeah, and usually on the podcast, this section is recently on Dear Damsels, where we look at the past couple of months of themes and pick out pieces to discuss. Because this is a special episode about female friendship, what we've done is gone through our archives and pulled out a few of our very favourite pieces of writing that relate to some key topics that we'll be discussing in the collection. So the way that Let Me Know When Your Home is going to be structured is through five subjects, 
growing up, growing apart, fake friends, old friends and women supporting women. So we decided to use these as focus points for discussing pieces that we've published before. And that takes us into the first theme, which is growing up. Friendships are such a huge part of when you're growing up and they're as formative to you as your family. They sort of rely upon the institutions, maybe your family home, your primary school, your secondary school, after school clubs. You meet them during your life when it's still quite a structured time and they help you build and become the person that you grow into in adulthood. There's a piece by Sarah Sherwood called Best Friends Forever that we really feel captures a part of that growing up. When I think about growing up, there are friends who I definitely see as like secondary school friend or primary school Mm. friend or uni friend. But you do have those friendships with people who have known you for so long and they've grown up with you. So yeah. it's sort of decided, it's sort of that thing of people who either grow up with you or you grow apart, that type of thing. So yeah, this short story by Sarah Sherwood follows those many small changes in a relationship from primary school to secondary school where your identity goes in two ways mm. and two friends who are sort of on different paths in life. Sarah is so good at writing about Honestly. female friendship. Like, I think when you've listened to previous podcast episodes, we've discussed this before. Maybe, maybe too much. Maybe too much. Maybe we're just obsessed with her writing about female friendship. But I do think she's really good at capturing moments that aren't so, you know, like life-destroying. Like, it's not like, oh, we grew apart. Mm. It's like, we can never speak. It's like, no, you were a really important part of my life when I was growing up. We're not the same people we once were. I still care about you, but I don't have that relationship Mm. with you anymore. And it's not like a longing, like a desperate longing to get that friendship Mm. back. It's sort of accepting where it is now and accepting the difficult emotions surrounding that. Yeah, and I think there's a part in the story where she mentions a picture on her mum's mantelpiece of her and this best friend. And I just think that's something so many people can relate to. There are these people who you spent the first like 10 years of your life with almost every day and it's just a strange thing that they're now somewhere else in the world going yeah, about their life yeah and that's like when they you... were sort of almost as close as a sister yeah spent yeah. that much time or like your mum maybe asks you about them sometimes mm. and you're just like I, mum I have not seen that person in 12 years like yeah. I don't have anything to say to you about that it's strange and I think that strangeness doesn't mean that that relationship didn't mean anything and mm. it wasn't something you still cherish and look back on with fondness it's just part of life and it's just part of relationships and I think Sarah talks about that sort of thing that sort of vagueness really really well yeah she really does and I will read a quote out from the piece to prove that I don't think I know you anymore but I still wanted to ask you how you got the hang of liquid eyeliner if your mum was devastated when George Michael died and if childbirth was as gruesome as they said on one born every minute I wanted to tell you about the time I saw Jacqueline Wilson in Soho, that I still have pepperoni pizza for tea on a Friday night, and that I preferred your hair red on fire, like mine. So nice. Mm. Has anyone ever got the hang of liquid eyeliner? So, truly, like, I remember, when I remember rereading this, I was like, oh my god, I've had that friend who taught me how to do makeup when I was, like, ten. I just remember that so well, watching her do angles on her eyes, like, how did that I remember the moment you realise you don't have to close your eye completely to put a good eyeliner on. And when you realise that, it's a lot well, easier. because I have contact lenses, but I didn't when I was 10, I had glasses, so I was completely blind just drawing across my eyelids. I, I had that too, I just, remember. Ugh, horrible, horrible times. Well, yeah, I think that just shows, encapsulates Sarah's ability just to kind of pick up on key details that you just suddenly, it takes you back to a moment. Growing up takes us quite nicely onto the next topic that will be in the collection, which is growing apart. Obviously, 
see a lot of connections there. In many ways, Sarah's story is a story of growing up, but also of growing apart. Not everybody, every childhood friendship does grow apart, but it's something that everybody kind of has to face. And yeah. as you said, it is, it's just something to accept. Sometimes it's not something really dramatic. It's yeah. not a key moment. It sort of quietly happens in the background. Yeah, and I think we had a lot of pieces talking about that quietness of growing apart. It's not always one moment where you can see it happening. And I think what's really interesting about the short story we're going to discuss is it's not gradual. Mm. Like, it's an event that happens mm. where one character decides to move on and the other character is desperate for them not to. Um, and that's a short story by Alice Slater called The Way You Smelled of Pineapples, which we loved so so much when it came in mm-hmm. um, and it had a fantastic response we published it earlier this year yeah, yeah. I'm just so. like what year are we in mm-hmm. it's really brilliant it follows the best friends Fee and Chloe and they move to a new city together but as dreams blossom and as they make new friends or one of them does promises to move abroad together are broken and it's that moment that fractures this friendship even though one of the characters is still says we'll be friends and the other one knows it's ending that's why this piece stuck out to us when thinking about growing apart because it was so definitive V just doesn't want to accept that it's happening um, which I can show you um, well I can't show Alice can show through a quote that I'm about to read I'll wear this every day she says fastening the chain around her long swan neck and dropping the little golden pineapple under her shirt it reminds me of you the way you smelled of pineapples all winter don't go yet I say tears threatening to spill I can get alone I can scrape it together I just need a bit more time I can't wait for you forever, Fee, she whispers, eyes averted, someone else's words on her tongue. You can just really feel the emotions. Oh God, you can just feel it. <laughs> it's this moment where they are teenagers, aren't they? And they've moved to Edinburgh for, yeah, yeah. Um, for like a period of time. And so it's like really intense. And one of them gets a good job in a bookshop. And the yeah. other one's working on like the fruit stall in, yeah. in the market. And it's like these two, they're completely different um leaving completely different lives I think when we're talking about growing apart that's sort of something that happens sometimes like your lives just go off in different directions but what makes this feel so tangible is because the friend who's been left behind can physically experience it and Alice has like talks about so beautifully and that the love between these two people isn't necessarily going it's just changing and one of them just doesn't want to accept that I think that intensity, especially when you're younger in a friendship, is so raw. Like, your best friends are your best friends. You would, like, you're going to wear 17 necklaces with their names on it and you're going to, like, get best friends forever stuff and, like, all that sort of thing. And as you grow up, maybe you sort of accept that flexibility a bit more. From being kind of exactly the same copies of Mm. each other when you're 10 to you all going through your teens and and suddenly growing up at different rates and being ready to leave certain things behind at different moments in your life it's being ready to uh, move to Australia maybe <laughs> <laughs> potentially growing up sorry no very attacked <laughs> never abs love you dearly I'll get you a pineapple necklace it'll be completely fine <laughs> um, well of course not everyone has a positive experience of female friendship like we just discussed it can be quite gut-wrenching and it can be something that's really difficult to manage and I definitely feel I've had well I know I've had negative experiences of friendships that I thought were real friendships we've picked the phrase fake friends to talk about this sort of negativity it implies sort of this friendship wasn't founded on the right things or these people didn't have each other's best interests at heart maybe it was something for a brief period of time that when you look back on you're like that person didn't like me that very much or that person was using me in a certain way or that person did this to me that foresight that you need to be able to look back on the friendship because mm. when you're in it you don't always notice that is true that you need that hindsight to yeah. assess whether a friendship is a good one in inverted commas and we all move through different friendships and you you know you have to be a certain way in that friendship before you really know whether it's yeah, a keeper definitely. or not the piece we picked out for this one is 
by Sarah Grant called Pages. And this is a poem where a friend, when a person walks in on her friend reading her diary. So this kind of moment of double betrayal because the diary says things about that friend, which we imagine are perhaps not <laughs> unsavory. Yeah. yeah. So I'll read it out. It's a brilliant poem. Ten and a half months of plain speaking pages from tepid to twisted and painfully optimistic sat sunken in your palm. Your fingers had followed the flow of my biro, swerving towards the full stop on our friendship. I'd caught you at it, and you'd caught me out. Now nothing could be done to undo what I'd said in the notebook beside my bed. Did you ever read a friend's diary? Um, I don't think I ever read a friend's diary. I was, in my family, I was the person who kept the diary. As of course probably, you were. <laughs> as probably everybody who writes a DD was yeah, the Yeah, everyone listening was the person who kept the diary. The person who kept the diary, the, di- the lame yeah. diary. And yeah. So I definitely think my mum probably read my diary. Mm. God, it probably was so uninteresting. But yeah, it is that thing where that's your safe space, to be honest. Yeah, I, my friend actually, this poem reminded me of this. Uh, my friend from secondary school, she would like get out when we're a bit older, maybe like sixth form, um, that sort of end of it. She would get her old diaries from like year eight, year nine, and we'd read them because they were ridiculous. They were absolutely ridiculous. It was like, this person betrayed me because I fancied this boy. I looked at him in science class. Like, it was ridiculous. But in it, she also tracked how she felt about certain friends. And it was so, it was funny because she'd be like, oh, I hated this person this day. This person's a bitch. But I remember coming across a line about me that was, don't like Brian that much anymore. And I remember, <laughs> oh and it was like years God. later. It was like three years later. And I felt so angry and upset I was like what did I do to you when you're eight she goes I just have no idea so you that sort of way of feeling it's like how could you say that about me it's like of course you can say that about Mm. her like friendships aren't always perfect sometimes you're angry at people in the day like I regularly get angry at my friends with small things and get over it in the same minute you know what I mean yeah it's just when you have that outlet and you're using it as like a personal way to talk to yourself or for your own recollection of how you felt it's not meant for public consumption my friend was weird and decided to like make it for public consumption but obviously this poem is about oh you've read something that is you know tepid to twisted painfully optimistic these are all emotions and yeah, ways of being yeah emotions. basically extremely unfiltered and no one's meant to read that and in this poem talks about the moment when she does and there's nothing that can be said really it's like yeah I felt like that your story about the diary revealing that your friend didn't like you for a day or whatever <laughs> reminds How me of <laughs> me and one of my very closest friends the other day decided to do that thing where you google your myspace and find your myspace oh, page and we found her myspace page and I wasn't in her top friends <laughs> and I actually still feel really sad about it Abby's like, face when she said that was true was, like really heartbroken I remember I can vaguely remember that you would change your top friends all the time yeah. and obviously you it would be pointed so there was there must have been a moment towards the end of my space <laughs> where she decided I don't like you I'm that done much. with Abby she's <laughs> now number nine in my top eight but what she didn't know that was that I was gonna hang on and <laughs> so I'm still here so it doesn't matter Aww. I'm one of her top friends I'm really happy that she, she's you know you're still one of her top friends in real life yeah I think so anyway <laughs> Another piece I just wanted to quickly mention on the topic of fake friends is Funny How You Can't Remember His Name by Christina Doucher. It's a really brief fiction piece about two girls who fell out over a boy, basically, and it's somebody looking back and realising they can't remember the name of the boy, but Mm. they're no longer friends with the girl who used to be one of their closest friends. It's just a really quick, an example of how a short story can just do so much in a yeah, really short definitely. amount of time. Yeah, definitely. And I think it does talk about that part of what we are just talking about, like in an instant something happens. Mm. Like, you know, thank God, you know, you're still her friend. After she, uh, thank God I annoyed my friend for one day. She was like, no, she's okay now. Like, you know, at the moment it seems so intense. And maybe and... you think at the 
you think it might blow it, but like you don't take it that seriously at the time, but those things yeah. can... Well, this is the thing. So in Fake Friends, we're talking about negative experiences, right? So obviously mm. whatever this, in this story, what they discuss is a very negative experience, letting something overthrow like a friendship and a relationship that has so much more depth. So maybe it wasn't that deep to begin with. Maybe it wasn't that stable. And I think it's those things are uncovered in this short story by Christina. And it's just really interesting to read, I think. It is. And Christina has also since gone on to become a Sunday Times bestselling author of Vox. So. Which isn't that bad. Cool. <laughs> We're shouting out. Pretty cool. As we were just talking about friends from year nine and from MySpace age, old friends is of course a subject that we had to talk about in the collection. It encompasses so much. Growing up, growing apart, coming back together, it's all based, a lot of it is based even, on the idea that these people have known you for so long and there's formative experiences that you've shared together that will always bind you to one mm. another. I was talking to, I keep talking to friends about friendship at the moment because of Let Me Know Your Home. I was talking about friends from work when me and Abby met at work and I've known you for five, like five years. So, you're an old friend now, you know? I've made it into old <laughs> like, I was like, oh yeah, you're an old friend because I've had newer friends. You're an old friend. It's just funny how it switches into that category in your head, really. You get to a certain age in your mid-twenties when you realise you've known your adult friends longer than you knew your childhood friends. Yeah. Like, there's a sudden switch and perhaps you have the, you're hanging on to some older friendships because mm. of the time you've put mm. in. But yeah, maybe... it's sort of like with uni when you get to that point with friends you made at university when you're like, I've known you longer than I knew you in uni. Mm. That moment yeah. is quite interesting. This piece that we're about to discuss for old friends, I think is about a friendship from like home home. It's from like one that has tied you and bound you together for a really long time. We've discussed it maybe on the podcast before, or maybe we actually, we had um, the writer read at one of our events. That's yeah. what happened. And it's a beautiful, beautiful piece. It's called Ash, A Love Story. And it's by Sinead Gordon. And in it, Sinead unpicks like the really intimate nature of a friendship, the reliance on each other. It's a really, it was not a really short piece, but it's a short piece of fiction that again, does so much. And you really get a sense of the closeness of these people. And you can find yourself and your friends in the characters. Yeah, I really like it. And I think it encompasses so much. So I'm going to, I'm going to read a quick quote from it. I think of all the times I've tried to advise her and always felt pathetically ill-equipped. How could I ever presume to help her? She is beautiful, confident, smart. She has always been able to do anything, talk her way in or out of any situation. I always feel slightly weak, slightly pale and trite in the light of her vivacity. In our friendship, I've been able to offer myself as a sounding board, a supportive ear, but I haven't been able to tell her how she should live because she's had that down as long as I've known her. Next to the strength of her character, Mine has always felt slightly illusory. It's just such a lovely love mm. story. I really like how it shows how you can really, if you grow up with someone and you've been friends with somebody for that long, that you've defined yourself in relation to mm. them. Yeah, and definitely. when you reach a certain point in your life when life starts getting really hard and things aren't going your way, the roles you once played are not the ones that you, mm. you know, are playing now. So it's interesting that, yeah. It's sort of leading back to like growing up and stuff like that, is, like deciding yeah. if as you're changing and as your lives are becoming different, if you still maintain that level or if you become different people to each other or if your relationship blooms, that sort of thing. Like my friends from home, we've all gone to university, we've all lived in different places, we sort of all realised that we're growing up together and we accepted all the changes that people mm. were made, the new people they became and we weren't fighting back against this evolving relationship it means that I'm still friends with people I've known since I was like 11, which is amazing but you have to sort of be willing to do that and I think Sinead's piece does talk about that sort of willingness to know that her role might be changing I think it starts with a text from 
Ash being like, are you up? And Sinead's like, she knows I will be. Like, those mm. things never change. Mm. There's always, like, grounding points in the friendship that's as old as it is that you can always pick up again. I think that's really interesting because it, the way you talk about it reminds me of how you could think about family in that mm. there are roles you play within your family and they're set, which is kind of troubling because it can be a challenge when you're around family. But in the same way with those friendships that have been around so long, they know who you are. But also the best ones will also let you grow and change and adapt. Yeah, definitely. Such a key part of, I think, maintaining old friendships is being willing to accept growth. Yeah. Which is really important. And people who don't, it's so hard to let go. And that's when fractures happen. That's when, you know, disagreements happen. When, Like in Alice Slater's piece, someone wants to move abroad without someone. They're like, I'm not willing to let you go. Mm. And it's like, you have to be willing to let that happen. Because if it's a strong enough relationship... It will, they will weather come that back. Kind yeah, of weather that kind of stuff. It will weather you moving to Australia. Oh. I'll stop talking about going oh. to Australia now. <laughs> well, I think that leads us quite nicely <laughs> on to the, the final subject, which is women supporting women, as Bridie supports me in my move to Australia. I do support Abby in her move to Australia. Let that be clear. Let that be a statement for the whole Dear Damsels community. I support Abby's move. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, we wanted to have this as a topic and a section in the book because, well, firstly, because that's what so many of the pieces inherently were discussing that came to us and it's something that's so special about female friendship and something that's really key to dear damsels and that's how dear damsels works if women weren't sharing each other's pieces and and supporting the writing on the site then it just wouldn't really exist it's just be me and abby shouting to avoid (laughs) which we just don't want it yeah Yeah. not very productive um yeah definitely and i think actually women supporting women is a theme that runs through so much of our writing because it's sort of instances that happen how the people around you pick you up and this piece we're about to discuss we have discussed in the podcast before but this angle we're taking from it is talking about the female friendship side it's ghost by Lise Chesnoy who we love and she wrote a short story about abortion and how a friend's there for her after this experience it's beautiful and what I really think is great is how her friend I think it's I can't remember the character's name but her friend Lou is so present in the story it's the Mm. three main characters are the protagonist the partner and the best friend Mm. and they all work together to support the protagonist through this experience and it's really beautiful they have like a different part to play yeah exactly you can have the support of your partner but yeah Yeah. the friend yeah can offer something different yeah which is definitely clear um in this quote that i will read out i have lived in this body for 22 years It was a home until a 12-pound pea stick strewn across the sink informed me that my body had been keeping secrets from myself. It is another half an hour before I reach for my phone with trembling hands, splatter it with humidity and call Lou. Yeah, so that person being the first person you will call, and I think everybody always knows which friend is the one you would Mm -hmm. call in that situation or in any kind of situation. Is it the same friend that you would let you know when you're home? (laughs) I said yes <laughs> you would let them know when you're home i thought you were gonna be like is it the same friend who took you out of their top friends on oh my no space? i wasn't i was trying so to get like, casual link to the title abby yeah. but fine or whatever <laughs> it's fine. i missed it Usually this section of the podcast would be Dearest Damsels, which is when we focus on something that a woman is doing that we think is really notable and inspiring and we want to discuss. But because this is a special episode of the podcast, our Dearest Damsels are you, the damsels. We wanted to hear what you thought about female friendship and to describe what it means to you. In doing so, we have received some really nice voice notes, some really nice memos, some really nice comments that we thought would be great to share in this section. And we hope you enjoy them too.
female friendship means big belly laughter with friends who don't take life too seriously. If you can laugh with someone, I think it's a resilient strategy. And if you can share it and receive it with people, I think it's a form of strength. You want people around you to make you feel like you're strong. Female friendship to me is being with a group of women that raise you up all the time. So whatever you do, they will always just make you feel that bit better every single time, regardless of whether it is something really stupid or something actually that you wouldn't necessarily think was that great, but they raise you up so you think actually maybe you could do something. And actually someone just helped me out there. <laughs> and she's a female friend. <laughs> female friendship to me is always having people that you can text, that you have in jokes with them and you can text them no matter how you're feeling and they will immediately come back to you with things to make you feel better and supportive messages. And before you know it, someone's knocking on your door to oh, bring you some nice food. <laughs> Female friendship to me is a support network that is so vast. It stems from oldest friends that are like 15 years old that I don't see, I'll see once a year. And when I do, they support me in ways that they don't know. To people I sit next to at work every day who support me. Yeah, I just find it wonderful that you can have so many friends from different walks of life. And when they all come together at something like a party oh, or a wedding, okay. it is the best. Female friendships are always what you need most, whether that be to lift you up when you are your actual lowest, call you out when you are at your worst, and encourage you when you are at your best. Like you're, always, you're different versions of yourself around different people. Yeah, in yeah a but weird it doesn't way. mean each way it's less authentic. It's just mm. like a different part of you. And then as you get older, you get friends who you feel you can be like your complete self around. Mm. I feel like I'm my complete self around you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I was just thinking. I was just trying to tell you. So that takes us on to online, offline, the part of the podcast where we discuss what we've been seeing around on the internet and felt like it was worth a good discussion on this podcast. The thing that relates to the subject of this podcast episode is female friendships. And obviously there have been about a million new <laughs> female friendship films and books and stories out there in the world. There's been the rise of Valentine's Day. We think this is all a good thing, but definitely worthy of a discussion. Yeah, and I think last month, Animals... The film came out, which is based on the book by Emma Jane Unsworth, which I really love. It's a really fantastic book. But there's a lot of commentary around it because it's a book about female friendship, two best friends, and their lives that are not perfect, and their relationship isn't perfect, and it's a bit messy, and it's dark, and it's, like, a bit gross. And, like, all these parts of it which make it not seem the usual image of female friendship that you're used to seeing in the media. And a piece that really struck me was called Hollywood's New Kind of Love Story, by Claire Forbes that sort of discusses this. There's a paragraph where she talks about how the relationship in animals on film is so different to what she's seen before. And I'll just read a quote from the piece. Moreover, when friendships, particularly female ones, are explored, they can fall prey to cliches as much as romantic stories do. Sex in the city popularised the idea that while relationships come and go, friends are by your sides whatever, usually as a gang of four clutching glass with something busy. Little is seen on screen of the messy, painful and cruel sides of friendship or how and while they sometimes fall apart. And I think that's so true and it's something that we were so conscious of when we were pulling together mm. our idea for Let Me Know When You're Home was to try and show that female friendships aren't perfect. There isn't one form of yeah, perfect female exactly. friendship. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like it's just an expectation, especially in films, you have like your supportive, sassy, side character, best friend to the romantic 
character you know that sort of thing like it wasn't something that was seen a lot in recent films there has been this change in how these relationships are being shown another example that we want to discuss is book smart directed by olivia wilde which we've both seen i think yes. yeah oh my god oh, yeah. so great <laughs> the article by claire Fort mentions this and talks about how screenwriter katie silberman said that she wanted book smart to have the structure of rom-com treating relationships with the same weight as any other type of love story with all the heartache that comes with it. Mm. So actually having the friendship front and centre and allowing it to be there for, because it has a space to be, to actually be like a 3D relationship yeah. rather than just being what we un- sort of understand through films friendships to be, which is to Secondary. be taken, yeah, and taken yeah. for granted and just there, which also exerts a kind of pressure because you're just supposed to have that best friend yeah. or that big group of friends. That's just how it's yeah, and there's not always the explanation to how that friendship came to be. It's just there it hasn't got development. What I think is great about animals and book smart is it gives this weight to the relationship, so you can understand this intense bond. You can understand all these parts you can understand why there's that scene in book smart where they're having a fight and it's heartbreaking mm. and you know it's heartbreaking because you know these characters and they've been well developed and we were just like talking before we start recording about why we think these stories are being heard and i think it is that because they are different to what we've seen before i was thinking about a couple of years ago like oceans eight which i saw which is a great film and it's the foundation of it is like you know females getting together bossing it like being amazing but you don't really cover the relationships at it. You know, Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett, amazing. You know, <laughs> they're like best friends, and then it's like nothing is explained. Like, it doesn't make sense as to why they are best friends and stuff. They're just doing it for a purpose, and it seems very one dimensional. Whereas, what is good about the recent incarnations of female friendship is they are given space to be three dimensional, to have all of their areas explored the messy sides, and the painful sides, and the cruel sides, um, as Animals definitely does. And yeah. I think this new wave of female voices coming through want to talk about their experiences as we've said many times this podcast so far female experience is so rooted in friendship yeah no I completely agree and I think a good question is why this is happening now why we're seeing these female friendship stories coming through now and like you say there is that need that it's something different it's something we haven't seen before but in another piece on female friendship on screen on the guardian which is called from Thelma to to louise how female friendship on screen got real by kath clark there's a quote from an academic called sally cobb who says whether explicitly or not female friendship is always seen as a threat to the patriarchy and the structure of film plots and the insistent heterosexuality of hollywood requires that the threat be contained Usually marriage is the answer because most female friendship films are set when women are single and fairly young. I think that is such an important point to make, you know, the patriarchal structures of Hollywood and how they are being broken down by we're having, you know, more female screenwriters, more directors, like more of women in the media and in film. So obviously these stories are going to change. I think of um, like First Wives Club, that whole Mm. bit is about how they got married and they broke off contact with their best friends because they got married and had a life and that was sort of... And then the only reason they get back together is because one of their friends dies, so they're forced to come back together. So it seems that there's always had to be a reason for women to have friends mm. as they as they get older, which is foolish because it's so important and it's such a strong part of a woman's life is having that female support and around them. I think also like the idea of female friendship being a threat. I think like you can think about that about like gaggles of girls being intimidating to boys and films mm. and like no one quite understanding the mystery about the girls giggling to each other and it's just like leave them alone they're probably having a great discussion about nothing to do with you but it's that mystique as well I think mm. that has been so hard to uncover and now you've got women who are being like this is like this is how our friendships work this is how 
you know, that's why we have this bond that you don't understand. Mm. We're going to portray it in a film and you're going to sit through it and enjoy it because it's very interesting. I think a really interesting point about that is it's great to have those positive images, but they can also still exert pressure. Mm. Um, so we want to see female friendships on screen, but we don't want to see only the shiny, happy versions of them. We want to see what happens when you don't... When, when the friendship falls apart or even when you don't have that friendship. I liked Booksmart because they weren't like the ideal friendship. Like it's not ideal just to have one friend yeah. in, in some respects. Do you think as well, like I think back to what I consumed of like female friendship when I was younger. I'm like Jacqueline Wilson books, for example, my life when I was growing up, like read them from when I was like six to 12 or whatever. And there was always gang of four girls <laughs> or there was one best friend who loved more than anyone else in the entire mm. world and that was my image and that was still you know damaging because I would be like oh well I haven't got one person who knows me better than anyone else yet and as you get grow older you can realize that maybe it's not one people it's four or it's five or it's ten people who know you for different things and in mm. different ways and um, not that I'm trying to diss Jacqueline Wilson she's very formative <laughs> to me and uh, I love most of her books mm. but I do think that's true that there is still a pressure with those groups it can sort of lead to you having like there's a role there's kind of like the funny one and yeah as we're talking before yeah and that's definitely like in books and media it becomes easier to put women into these categories or think about sex in the city you've got miranda the uptight one charlotte the like wholesome one samantha the sexy one the carry the writer one like that's basically Mm. it and you've got your stereotypes and what's good about book smart and animals is they're pushing these stereotypes women can be anything and this is a portrayal of friendship that is a bit dirty and it's always a bit sad and it's not as perfect as you think it is but Mm. it deserves as much as your attention as possible i keep wanting to bring this back to girls which you don't like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what, what I liked about it, that it was that's fair. messy and, yeah, input, like, far from perfect. I think my issue with girls, I'm sorry, to make oh, listen to the podcast to talk about me not liking Lena Dunham again, but <laughs> I think my issue with girls was that it was really hard to believe that they were ever friends in the first place. Like, they weren't very mm-hmm. likeable and I didn't really believe in their connection. And what I think is good about animals and about Booksmart and about lots of other films that are coming out with female friendships in it, they feel more believable because women are writing them accurately. Not okay. to say Lena Dunham wasn't, <laughs> but maybe Lena Dunham was just writing about herself. But that kind of leads us to what we think is going to happen as we go forward. Like, we've had this wave happening of more narratives about women and their friendships and their relationships in a more open and honest way Mm. like what do you think what we're going to see in like two years time yeah I think it's been great to see this influx of relationships or female friendships but what we have seen is they're all quite familiar settings Mm. so book smart against the high school setting and um, animals is still well, kind it's like of young millennial you know, city those life. kind of crazy, yeah, crazy yeah. girls. Crazy girls get drunk. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of familiar, and so it feels to me like what we need to see next is different stories and more diverse stories, and in different, completely different settings, allowing the friendships to stand on their own and not be, as as you've said earlier, kind of supported by that familiar narrative to allow us to explore yeah. female friendship, just to have it somewhere completely different and in a different way. Yeah, I definitely agree. So basically, what we're saying is we want to see female friendship in space I think <laughs> that's the point you can well, take wasn't from this there whole discussion the, uh, well, I don't even know the Marvel film was Captain also... America Captain no Marvel. Captain Marvel oh my god yes Captain Marvel yeah is that not female friendship in space I don't know what they're not about. in space she crashes into from Earth you know space. what I will, we'll talk about this <laughs> off the podcast no one needs to hear me explain the plot like Captain Marvel to you okay 
So that takes us on to the part of the podcast where we let you know what you need to know. This is where we talk about what's happening in Dear Damsels, what's coming up for the collective. And obviously, this whole podcast is focused on our crowdfunder and our future paperback publication, Let Me Know When You're Home. If you're not familiar, which you really should be by now, Let Me Know When You're Home is a collection of stories about female friendship. We had an open submissions period from July to August and we received over 100 submissions, which is wild, really. We spent our August bank holiday responding to every single one. It was a lot of WhatsApp messages hmm. of being in various places, like, I'll come home and read seven. Like, just let me, let me just get through this, like, Pims, I'm drinking in the park. It's really helped us see this diverse conversation that we wanted to happen about the subject. And we're so excited to launch. Well, we are, have already launched by the time we listen to this, but we're so excited to see where this goes. Yeah, so the campaign is still in progress. We're looking to raise £3,000. And what this will cover is... It covers a lot. It covers um, <laughs> everything. It, it covers, covers everything. It covers everything. So it covers the printing costs. As you know, printing costs are always very high. It covers distribution costs. It covers editorial and design costs. It also covers our voluntary work that me and Bradley put into Dear Damsels, as in that's something you get for free. The other thing that it funds is paying our writers. This is something that we're really keen to do this time around with our publication. Previously, our annuals um, have been self-funded and all of our events and all of our other things that we do for DD, all the money goes back into running the collective. This is non-profit, me and Abby don't make a salary, this is all done in our spare time. So we really wanted to signify a step up for us and then a step up for us as a collective means to us paying our writers, acknowledging their contribution to the collection so we're really excited to see what this kickstarter can hold for us i think absolutely and it it started on the first of september second of september started on the second of september and it will be running until the end of october let's say so now's your chance to go pre-order your copy of let me know when you're home through the kickstarter and in that way you'll be helping us uh, celebrate women writers and celebrate yeah. female friendship because like as we keep saying like female friendship connection it's so central to what we do. DD is a network of women. It started by two women and we wouldn't be who we are without the constant support of women sharing each other's words, listening to each other's voices. And we can't wait to celebrate that with the publication. So if you're interested in helping us and supporting our campaign, you can visit www.deardamsels.com where I'm sure there's a massive banner with the kickstarter on we'll link it in the show notes but we really are excited about this as you can probably hear from our slightly manic talking about it and we hope you are too thank you for listening to her own words you can read all the pieces that we've mentioned on our website deardamsels.com and you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook at deardamsels if you enjoy this podcast we'd really love it for you to share it far and wide and perhaps even subscribe review and rate it we'd love if you could support let me know when you're home we'll link to the kickstarter in the show notes that's it for now thanks for listening bye abs bye bry.